When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. out there in dragland it is ginger minge and i am in houston texas baby i'm that's why i wore my fringe today isn't that nice getting back to my southern roots houston tech me and beyonce the two of us well this isn't beyonce right here i hillary duff is from here too is she she is you know i met her once I was working, yeah, it was years ago. I was working for Beauty and the Beast on Broadway doing like merchandising and stuff. Yeah. And they brought her in. It was like at the height of Lizzie McGuire or maybe like right after it. And they wanted her to play Belle. Get out of here. So they brought her in. They said, Emma Watson, suck my ass. (laughs) This was, this was many years before (laughs) Emma. She was still, uh, casting spells. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she never actually took over the role. We got Christy Carlson Romano from Even Stevens instead. Not Ren. Yeah, we Not got Ren. We got Kim Possible, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. We're already getting sidetracked, Sorry. which Sorry. I, I know that uh, if you are an avid listener of this podcast, you are used to it because we take many, many detours. So it's like a, a, the highway system in Florida. You know, it's always under construction. You never know where it's going. A mess. A mess. Yeah, a mess. Speaking of messes, I am so excited to be sitting here with my sister from another mister. We have, we literally are just meeting. So that's going to be a very fun conversation. She's the show director at Rebar here in Houston, Texas. (laughs) And see, I I wore my red, white, and blue today. You're like a real country. Thank you so much. Country little girl. I got some biscuits and gravy up got in here. Got her biscuits and gravy. Okay. <laughs> this is Auntie. Hello. How are you? I am fabulous and exhausted and strained. How are you? Now, why are you so exhausted before well, I answer? You know, we had the little brunch today. We mm-hmm. got up at 8 30, 9 o'clock to do a little brunch. And it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. Praise the Lord. Won't he do it? You know, it's a Sunday service. We do it every day. You do it every day? No, <laughs> Just Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, I rebar. We do a little Sunday service. Mm-hmm. Today we had Mayhem Miller. I your know. Your sister. I know. She helped me win $30,000 on All Star oh, 6. We love money. We do love money. And she's still trying to shake me down like couch cushions all the time. Girl, she took one of my dollars out of my suitcase earlier, sis. Did she? She did. She said, that was mine. I said, you're a liar. Well, she just needed it to block <laughs> her forehead. You know? No, but um, she was like, thing. we had two shows earlier. Yeah. So we did a show at 12, and then we had another one at like one thirty-two. I was going to come, but my flight got in so late last night, I literally slept until about 4 o'clock today. So she wasn't going to come. I was going <laughs> to. Well, mostly because there was food there. Did you take the red eye? Did I take the red eye? Did you take the red eye? I did not. You did not take the red eye? I know. It was close. It was more like the pink eye. <laughs> You're you know. familiar with pink eye. You got a lot of pink in the yeah, eye Conjunctivitis, a little, you know... Mm-hmm. What's a little swollen up here. Swolt. <laughs> a little swolt. That's what the kids say, you know. <laughs> I uh, swolt. They, they say swolt. It's a past tense. <laughs> yes. So I, I think it's so interesting that you had, like, was it purposeful that you had Mayhem and myself here no. on the same day? We rarely have, like, two Rue girls mm-hmm. in one day. Um, but it happens sometimes. Yeah. And it kind of sucks sometimes because it's just like, we, we get up really early. We do, like, we used to do three shows. So when Olivia Lux was here, we did um, 11.30, 1.30, and then we did a 2 o'clock show, or 2.30, whatever. And so uh, we do three shows, and so we'd end like 5.30, 6, mm-hmm. and we go home for like an hour, and then just eat some ramen. Powder it down. Powder my pussy. <laughs> and then go right back, and we would have the show at 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had sugarcane last time. It was like one of these double shows. And so it can be really difficult sometimes, but yeah. it's the life of a local queen. No, girl, we got to work. I love money. I love money. I too. love money. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> so for all of our listeners out there, and for me, since we're just meeting right now, just give me like a brief overview of who Andy is. Andy is a piece of shit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, Andy is, um, I think first and foremost, I think I am fashionable. That's what I try to do is I, every time I come up with something that I want to put on the stage, um, it's very theatrical. You know, I'm a musical theater major. <gasps> yeah. I love that. Just like every other guy you've ever met in your entire no, life. No, no, that's actually not true. Really? No. I've been... I have met so many gays where it's like, I was a musical theater major. I'm like, another one. <laughs> well, I got into so I, I'm not musical theater. Did you really? Yeah. And so to me, like, that was the the obvious step, like the next step. Okay, I've been doing theater and playing all these roles. Well, now I want to play the good roles. I beat myself up for so long because uh, I went to school in Nebraska. Because I got a full ride scholarship and I auditioned for 13 schools. You know, I auditioned for Miami and, you know, NCSA, all these big theater schools. NCIS. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Special victim. Yes. (laughs) No, but um, I auditioned for all these theater schools and um, only the one in Nebraska, you know, gave me a full ride scholarship. So kind of had to go there. You know, that's yeah. the best choice. And so um, I went there and it was a very interesting experience. But I think the biggest thing I took away from it was, is they beat it into me that when you go to a show, you know, like, let's say as just an audience member, uh-huh. um, you don't know what people are going through. They could be going through anything. And um, they come to the show to escape reality and to not be where they really are it's 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 just like an escape from reality yeah well and i think that that goes for the performers as well because being a musical theater person myself i know so much i just got into it because there was just so much shit going on on like the real life side of things that it was an escape and it's nice to be able to like slip into somebody else's skin for a little bit um and have that good silence of the lambs moment but it was just really nice to like be able to you know, do 12, 13 hour rehearsals, like do all this stuff. And then to do a show and do an entire weekend of shows and have people come up to you after that. I've never really experienced like shows, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And say, this just made my week. Like, wow, this just really like made me happy. And like, Mm -hmm. you guys just did such a great job. And it was just so pleasant to have people that have never been to a show that didn't know me come up and say such positive things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I moved back to Houston because, you know, I, you know, I got HIV in, uh, Nebraska and in Nebraska, it's not a normal thing. When you get that in Nebraska, they treat you like you have the bubonic plague. Yeah. And it's really upsetting. Like I got locked in a room and told that if I left, they would find me at my job or at school or somewhere. And they would come. Who told you this? The people at Planned Parenthood, I swear to God, sis. And they locked me in a room. They said, I said, I want to leave. They said, well, if you go, we're going to come find you at your job or at school. And we're going to, you know, make a scene. They didn't say we're going to make a scene, but, you know, but they basically they said, we're going to come find me. Yeah. We're going to come find me. And so I was like, fuck this. Uh, fuck this shit, I'm out. Very that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in Houston, it's actually, we have a lot of support here. Uh, we have a lot of community centers that provide healthcare for people that have HIV mm-hmm. and people that can afford stuff. Um, and my mom has it. And so when I found out, um, I called my mom and I said, what do I fucking do? Yeah. And she said, you know, we have a lot of resources here. And um, I was kind of forced to make the decision to come back to Houston. Mm-hmm. But I had all this, you know, theater background and all of this, like, motivation inside of me to, like, I mean, at that point in my life, yes, of course, I was, like, defeated and, like, downtrodden or whatever. But I still, I I felt like I had nothing to give. Yeah. No, I understand that. But I had just started drag. So I started drag maybe, like, a month before I found out. So you started drag in Nebraska? Yes. Is there a thriving drag scene in Nebraska? Thriving, <laughs> um, you know, 
with Texas is so difficult because it's such a pageant heavy state here mm-hmm. and we have so many heavy hitters. Like, I mean, we have Alyssa, you have Kennedy, you know, we have Raja O'Hara that lives here and um, it's really competitive here. Uh, I've competed with all of those people. So yes, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know how intense that can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I moved here, it was just insane. Like the level of po- like, I hate the word polished because I, you know, that can mean anything to anybody. Well, it's kind of also like the term diva. It, it's not necessarily a negative thing, but no. over the years it has been kind of co-opted. Like Beyonce is a diva. And turned it, it's, they turned it into something that is negative. Well, uh, Alyssa was here just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And she is a diva. People are like, well, how, well, how was she? <laughs> how was she? Then See, my question would have been, how late was she? Wasn't. Really? First, yes. First of all. Oh my gosh, mark that day on the calendar. She was not late, sis. Her and her assistants were on time, sis. We also start a little late sometimes. <laughs> well, better late than pregnant. We like a little cushion. Better mm-hmm. late than pregnant. Yes. I like to get pregnant. <laughs> but better late than pregnant. Um, but I worked with Alyssa and I was so intimidated. Like I was so scared to meet her. Because Why? well, I did uh Texas, America. Okay. Yeah. I did a pageant one time. Just once. Why, well, you know, I made it to state. And uh, I had already heard, you know, all these things about Alyssa. And she came to perform at the bar. And I was so intimidated to meet her. And she showed up and she was so sweet. And she was so polite. But she had this thing about her where she knows exactly what she wants. Yeah. She knows what she needs. And she knows when she needs it. Mm-hmm. That did not make her a bitch. That did not make her, you know, high maintenance. To me, all I saw was she knows what she wants. Well, yeah. And so when I say diva, that's who I think of. It's, like it's a level Edwards. of professionalism. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. She knows what she, ex- you know, expects. She expects a certain level of, you know. Well, and I think that, you know, I, I, I think Alyssa and I, and I've said this before, I said on All Stars 2, we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah. We may be completely different type of, like, entertainers, but on the business side of things, I totally get it because I was raised in that same pageant world where it was being very polished and kind of being a diva. But it's also because not only do you expect other people to kind of have your back when you're going into a gig, um, by giving you the things that you need, you also need to let them know what you need so you can be the best you can be for them. First of all, are your eyes real? My eyes are She's real. She's not wearing contacts? No. You didn't your eyeballs from somebody? No, it's the only natural <laughs> thing on me, girl. <laughs> I was listening to you. Um, no, it's just, I, it's so funny when we have so many people that come out to the shows every week and they have this expectation of, these rue girls being a certain way. Yeah. They're like, oh, how was she? Because <laughs> we've had girls before, like, no names are going to be mentioned, um, that come in or, you know, mm-hmm. snapping their fingers at the staff and squallering and hollering at people. and <laughs> Chirping like a squirping like chirping a... Chirping like a squirping like a... <laughs> and it's not very comfortable for everybody, but we rarely have that, like, I mean, oh, my God. Uh, we've had almost every season 13 girl. We've had Simone, we've had Gottmik, um, Jan, almost all of them. And uh, I think because of the pandemic, they haven't gotten the chance to like go out and tour like mm-hmm. the rest of you guys have. Yeah. And they're so pleasant to work with. Like it's so refreshing. Yeah. Because I work with some girls in the past and it's just, I'm so intimidated. And I'm so scared. Uh, but every single girl from this last season have been so pleasant and so... I mean, I, I can't even, it's crazy. It you, is crazy. When Got Mitt came and Simone came, because, you know, they're who they are. Yeah. Know, they're on the red carpet with RuPaul. And, you know, <laughs> they are holding Emmys and Grammys or whatever they're holding. And you think they're going to be a certain way. You know, they come with backup dancers and you have this expectation of, like, they're going to be, like, L.A. Yeah. We're going to have this diva. <laughs> like, we go back to the diva thing. This diva attitude and... They've just been so pleasant and it's so refreshing. And well, I feel like as shitty as the pandemic was and has been, uh, particularly like the lockdown, the quarantine and all of that, it really was a reset 
for sure. And I think it made a lot of people, myself included, I can only speak for myself, but from what I see, (laughs) I'm going to speak for you. (laughs) I'm the Lorax. I speak for the trees. Um, it, It made me sit back and appreciate everything that I felt like I had maybe started to take for granted. Absolutely. Like, you know, I would, I would get on airplanes at five o'clock in the morning and go, I'm so tired. I want to stay home. Yeah. I am exhausted. My back hurts. And then after months of sitting at home, I was like, I would give anything to well, get on an airplane right now. I feel like I'm an introverted extrovert. So the first two months of lockdown, I was in paradise. Yes. I was like, wait, I agree. I don't have to do shit and I can do whatever I want for two months. It was (laughs) sickening because when we first started, um, I was working like five days a week Mm -hmm. at one of the busiest bars in Houston. Nobody's washing hands, you know, Mm -hmm. we were stuck in the bathroom. (laughs) It's not very uh, sanitary. It's not sanitary, but it sounds like fun. Two days later, they're like, oh, hey, we have to shut down the bar. It's only going to be for two weeks, though. Mm-hmm. Little did we know it was going to be the entire year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. at the time, we were like, oh, it's just two weeks, whatever. It's a, it's a vacation. Yeah. And I was, you know, getting fucking wasted every fucking day. And I was like, this is great. But after that, two weeks was up. And they were like, we don't know. And, you know, I mean, nobody knew anything at that point. It was yeah. terrifying. Uh, I started kind of freaking out. And uh, that virtual drag thing started picking up. Yeah. And I hated it so much. I hated it. Making music videos and doing all that stuff is so difficult, Mm -hmm. especially during a pandemic when you can't order stuff off Amazon. Like Mm -hmm. you couldn't get anything when this all first started. And so it was really difficult. And um, I'm more of that girl that I like to be interactive. I like to be with people. Um, I'm not a social media queen. You know, I'm not really good at that kind of You're stuff. You're a musical theater girl. You're just like I am. Where, I like to be seen. Well, and I like <laughs> to have that connection with an audience, you know, where I tell a joke and either it lands or it doesn't, but yeah. you give me some kind of response. And then we move on and we have like this whole journey together. Yeah. And I found myself during the pandemic, like working harder than I think I've worked in years really on the yeah just creating these shows different shows every single day all virtual virtual, and you like (sighs) you are out of breath from performing and you you're just there's just a little blinking light on a laptop and you're like I hated it so much I don't know if anybody's paying attention I don't know if the jokes are landing it's the the thing about the like if the pandemic wouldn't have happened I would not be the show director of the bar that I'm at because during all of that, um, the show director that was there got another job and was like, you know, there's nothing going on. Yeah. So uh, she moved on to another job. And um, I was one of the first servers because uh, we started a full service kitchen. So we have like Cajun food. We got like jambalaya balls, crawfish egg rolls. We got all that stuff. Um, and I was one of the first servers and I would make jokes to the owner and to my manager about doing a drag brunch. Uh-huh. And we came up with the Sunday service thing that we do every Sunday. And it um, happened for a couple of weeks and it kind of just fell into my lap. But I think that if the pandemic would not have happened, I would not have this opportunity. And um, I know it sounds sick, but I'm very grateful that that happened because yeah. um, before like, Okay, I don't want to be that person. Be that girl. I don't want to be that girl. <laughs> but I felt very, like, under... How do I say this without sounding like a fucking idiot? Oops, sorry. Can oh, you say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> can I curse? You can say whatever you want. Um, I felt like I was underrated. And, like, it didn't matter what I did. Like, I would do amateur competitions and do this and that. And I would, you know, compete in pageants. Mm-hmm. And... I still never got like that. Like, oh, hey, you're a person who mm-hmm. do things. Um, and then all of a sudden I get this job and I get thrusted into the responsibility of booking some of the most well-known girls in Houston, mm-hmm. at the busiest drag bar in Houston. And um, it's been crazy. And I just, I don't want to say that I'm glad that the pandemic happens. <laughs> but no. But if it didn't... <laughs> you can also find... I this, wouldn't have a job, sis. You can find the silver lining in every situation. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. 
you know, there's lots of bad things that happened because of the pandemic, a but lot. there are also good things that came out of it absolutely as well. And I think that's a fantastic thing. And so now you feel like you are finally getting the respect that you've worked really hard for. Well, and I think the other thing is, uh, okay, so <laughs> here we go. Um, like I said you know, earlier, Texas is such a pageant heavy state. Like mm-hmm. we have so many hard hitters here. Like there is, like the bar is high. Yeah. You know, there's no excuse. Um, and so we had a, the, the people that are show directors and that run everything here in Houston are people that have earned it. Yeah. You know, they have titles, they've, you know, won pageants, they've done this and they've done all these things. And um, I'm relatively new. I've done this for like, what, six and a half years now. It hasn't been a long time. And um, so I'm kind of intimidated by that fact. Mm-hmm. But it's so weird because all of these girls have, you know, titles or they do this and that. I have nothing. And so I kind of felt going into this that I wasn't worthy of being in the position. But I think the best thing that I'm doing is I take these new girls that have just started drag six months, one year, mm-hmm. you know, and I put them on the rebar stage if I see that they have the panache. Yeah. The chutzpah. The star the quality. I just, uh, I just saw Miss Cracker a few weeks ago. So they have the chutzpah. Um, <laughs> And uh, that was one thing that I, I know was lacking in the previous. Well, just not being able to like take chances. No, it's just like, like they would only book the older queens that have mm-hmm. been doing it for like 10 plus years or the, the pageant winners yeah. or this and that. They didn't book the, the new girls in the scene. And I feel like I'm doing that. I'm yeah. booking these new girls that are just like popping out, that are just emerging. Um, because I felt like that's what I was when I started and mm-hmm. I didn't get the chance. And I always wanted that opportunity to just show people that I could match that energy or match the level of entertainment that the other girls were doing. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I'm, I feel confident in what I'm doing. And I I think that it's showing like, well, I mean, it's obviously working. It's the busiest, busiest drag bar in town. Period. Yeah. And I mean, I have always heard about rebar and I've never actually worked there. Rebar used to be F bar. F bar. Barf. <laughs> bar F. Bar F. <laughs> no, but it's three bar now. But uh, we used to be riches. Okay. So it was like a two-story club. We had a lot of big people there. Like, we had a VG, I think, at one point. Big people? Like, a, like me? We never had big people like you. Plus-sized ladies? <laughs> we had a couple of plus-sized ladies. <laughs> ladies of indeterminate girth? Yeah. <laughs> You know, we have a weight limit on the stage, stage. Uh, well, I am going to break it tonight. Either the weight limit or the stage. It's two tons. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to take can't a, get on the end of it. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, I want to ask you, what would be the best thing for me to perform this evening? Like, what kind of vibe is it? Oh, God damn it. Oh. You don't take the Lord's name. I am blasphemous. On his Lesbian. day. Uh, I would. We love Megan Thee Stallion. Okay. Well, who um, doesn't love Megan Thee Stallion? I do, but I don't know it. You don't? I well, I don't know. See, anything I thought all you would through. know the entire catalog of Megan Thee Stallion. Well, I have a catalog <laughs> that she's in. She said it's in, Vanity Fair. In Vanity Fair. It's Vanity Fair. Yeah, and I'm more interested in the fun um, parts of the fair. Anything country? Country. They'll live for it. We are in Texas. We are in Texas. You know, I did just release you a know? country album called Double White Diva, available on all streaming sites. She's a single mom that works two jobs. Who loves, her, loves kids her kids and, and never stops. Never stops. <laughs> <laughs> With gentle hands and the heart of a fighter. Fighter. I'm, I'm a, a survivor. survivor. There we go. Not going to give up. I'm going to work hard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so country. Country. Um, Megan Stallion. Anything like ghetto. You can pop your pussy too. Okay. We love to pop our pussies down here. Well, um, I have not popped my pussy in many a year. Just a slight nudge. A slight nudge. nudge. (laughs) Alright, I'm gonna go do a couple of Kegels while we hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Welcome back everybody to Local Queen. I am here in Houston, Texas, baby! We're gonna get a little crazier every time we say it. With the one and only show director. 
Shared director of Rebar here in Houston, Texas. In Texas. Baby. Hello, girl. <laughs> Little dog, little frog. Little dog, little frog. And just go ahead and reintroduce yourself to our dozens of listeners. Hi, dozens. Um, My name is Andy. (laughs) Um, I'm the show director at Rebar in Houston, Texas. Yes. And I have the pleasure of working with Miss Minch on this night. It's Mrs. Minch. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a married woman. She's taken. I'm taken. Mrs. Minch. I mean, you'll still find me on Growler, Scruff, Backpage. She's Craigslist. Craigslist. Yeah, people are always she like... She on a little Craigslist. So my husband and I, we actually <laughs> met on Growler. No, you did not. We did meet on Growler, and people are always like, what is Growler? Well, not people. I'm going to say there's a certain sect of That's people. That's your daddy shot. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's like grinder for hairy chubby people. It's your grinder for little... Yeah, you know? All right, this is not about me. This is about you. Okay, <laughs> I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me on your hand. I don't know. <laughs> Where did the, the name Andy come from? Oh, God. Okay. I hate that fucking question. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. That question's um, like a part of the application process for RuPaul. I'm sure that you Have know. you auditioned for Drag Race? Oh, yeah. A couple times. couple times? Did you audition this year? No. Are you on? Are you on? Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, I auditioned a couple times. It's a fun. It is a lot. And I, the first time I auditioned was actually before they went with VH1. So the contract was like half the size it, it is now. It well, was that like, was always interesting. because like, like 28, 30 yeah. pages. And now it's like 70 pages. I was on Logo. Like season seven was Logo. Yeah. You know, and it was, it wasn't easy. But it's it like was like an easy NDA. Easier. You know, just one NDA, nothing crazy. But now you have to sign away. It's like your medical records and your pussy and just everything is gone. to the Everything. Place. It's nuts. Yeah. And uh, I kind of got intimidated after this last season. Um, I looked at the contract and it was scary. Uh, <laughs> well, it, and I think it gets worse and worse every year. Like, like just more and more stuff. It does. And I, I'm going to audition again. Yeah. Um, I want to. But it has taken a lot of, um, like, focus for me to get to that place because it's so scary now. You know, it's not just something you know it's really intense it's not it's something nothing you, you have can, to build up and commit to you can't be like oh i have tuesday off so i'm gonna knock the video exactly. out no it's like no it's like a week-long thing I mean, you have you to know? pay somebody to record all of it and you have to have the catalog like you have to have the outfits you and you can have I, to, can i tell you about my do. my original audition please video? fucking do i i <laughs> wish that i could find it and show it to you it was horrible you, have, you don't have it I don't have, I don't, it's somewhere. It's I, I'm sure I could find it, but it was so horrible because I got a phone call. I was, I had never intended to audition for Drag Race. Really? And then I went and I worked with Juju B in, um, in New Jersey. We were at, like doing some youth pride thing together. And she was like, sister, why have you never auditioned for the show? And I was like, I just don't, I don't think I'm what they want at that point. I was like, I don't, I just don't see it. You're kidding me. And so, meanwhile, like, flash forward a couple months, I get a phone call. It's like, hey, we got your name from Jujube and from, like, Roxy and Detox and Coco, like, all the Orlando girls. Great. And yeah. they were like, we would <laughs> like you that. to audition. And I was like, uh, okay. Hey, when they call you, well, you it, know it's on. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, you come and do the show. It was like, yeah. we would just like to, you know, see. We, 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 we would we like your you tape. Yeah, they were like, we looked you up on the internet, and we'd like to see what you can do. So can you do this audition video? This was like, this was a Monday, I believe, Monday night. And I said, okay, when's it due? They said, Thursday, get it to us Stop, by Wednesday. Stop, fucking kidding me. That's <laughs> not funny. No, well, I'd never be able That's to do it nightmare. now. But I got, so I, I sent in this video, like my old roommate and I, um, we had like some terrible old Android, you know, the grainiest quality you could ever imagine. <laughs> we were watching YouTube videos trying to teach ourselves how to edit it together quickly to send in. And when I got cast, surprisingly, um, my very first day on set, um, one of the producers was like, do you know why, like, Rue and, and us, we all decided that we really wanted you? And it's like, because I am just fantastic. And they were like, yeah, sure. No, <laughs> we wanted, she, they said you impressed RuPaul so much wow. because... 
you literally like you're dancing around and you knock the curtains behind you down. We see the whole pool because it was the biggest stage area with like the pool deck. So like you knock the curtains into the pool. Things are falling down. Your eyelashes falling off. It's a, so you thought it was a mess, but they loved they it. were like the <laughs> thing that RuPaul loved was that you just kept going. And I say, well, that's what it is. The show must go on. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I didn't have time to stop and rehang the curtains and go back. But that's what what drew them to it. So that's why I always tell people. And now she's a glamour toad. I am the glamour toad. And now she's a glamour toad. Mm -hmm. But I always tell people, don't get too caught up with making, like, a slick video. Because they really do just kind of want that essence of of who you are. Well, it's so scary. Because, I mean, like, potentially, that can be the start of something huge yeah you know and we think about these videos as something so important and we put so much work into it mm-hmm. and i feel like sometimes just being yourself and making it effortless is kind of a part of it uh, well i guarantee you that if i had actually taken the time and really done it up it would have blended in with so many other videos. Like, whatever next yeah, exactly yeah exactly it's fucking nuts that drives me crazy because i like just drive myself nuts just thinking like what you know how should I structure the video like what do I wear um how do I present myself and I know the first time I auditions like I go back and I watch that video and I paid somebody like 600 bucks to record the whole thing you know I doesn't sound like a lot of money but for me it is it's that is a lot of money a lot of money it is um but I was trying to be somebody I wasn't Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing about auditioning for anything, uh, musical theater, you know, reality TV, is they want to see that chaotic personality pop out. And I didn't let that happen. Um, and I just, it it's very uncomfortable to watch for me. Um, but I feel very comfortable now. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what kind of queen I am. And I think that's actually something that people really overlook a lot is people that don't do drag see oh my God. people that don't do drag see you and they think that you just know who you are and that you're just so fabulous and you're so you know courageous for doing this. And uh, a lot of the times people don't understand that sometimes we're still looking to find yeah. who we are as a, in an entertainer. Well, I think uh, one of the big things about drag is, you know, when we all start it, it we don't know who we are, but we know who we want to be. Oh, bitch. And so it just kind of helps us to throw everything up against the wall, see what sticks for us, and then move, like, like move forward, you know? You're talking about, um, they look at, you now know what kind of queen you are and, like, who you are. Yeah. Who is that? Um, so I pride myself on, like I, I was telling you earlier, I think I'm very fashionable. Um, I take a lot of, like, I started doing drag because of Raja. O'Hara? No. Or Raja Gemini. Yes. <laughs> Not Raja. The first Raja. Raja. Not Raja. Yeah. <laughs> Raja. And um, like I said, I started in Nebraska mm-hmm. and I had this, you know, conception that, oh, you know, all drag has to be female impersonation. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just do other stuff. And I saw her go on there and they were just making fun of her. Oh, you're a club kid. You're this and that. And then she won and she just had all these iconic, amazing looks. Mm-hmm. And you know, she didn't have boobs on. She didn't have pads. And my entire drag career, I've been told, you have to have boobs. You have to have pads. You have to have styled wigs. You have to have this and that. And that was like, what, season three? Yeah. And so it kind of just broke this illusion that I had in my head um, of what drag queens were supposed to be in. Because I've been watching the show, you know, started. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I've been watching since the last season. <laughs> Which is with the, the fil- best With season. the filter. On. The filter. Um. But uh, it kind of just shook me up. And um, I think the person that I am now is... <sighs> okay, so now that I'm a show director and I do this every week, this is my full-time job, I think I've kind of like put things into a little more relaxed mode to where it's like, yes, I do things because I know it'll make more money. Yeah. Like, you want know, to do the new Ariana song or the new Doja song or the new Megan Thee Stallion song because you know it's going to be popping and people mm-hmm. are going to give you money for it. That's what I do now. Um, but I think deep at my core, um, I still do things that surprise people. Um, I take a lot of inspiration from the late Alexander McKee. Um, 
um, Iris Van Herpen, um, Grimes, uh, a new artist, uh, one of my favorite singers. Um, just all these really influential people that have kind of shaken the fashion mm-hmm. world up, have shaken the performance world. Up. Like it's not, not everybody has to be Beyonce. We can all have this panache. We can all do things that strike people without having to be, I don't want to say polish, but like I said, like well, well, a without, female impersonator, big self. Without fitting women. a mold. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't have to be Alyssa Edwards mm-hmm. to make people happy. Well, and that's the thing, you know, people kind of uh, like looked at Alyssa for a very long time as the epitome of what a pageant queen should be. I mean, that's because she yeah. was winning things left, right and center. Like, I mean, she didn't always keep those titles. But I didn't say that. That <laughs> no, was ginger me. No, that sis. was that was RuPaul. <laughs> um, but I remember when all that happened between her and Coco and Miss oh, Gay America, wow. and then when it all that happened. And that here. happened here too. So I yeah. Of um, but the thing was, when you were competing with Alyssa, you knew that there was a very good chance that the real race was just going to be for first runner up. And the really interesting thing about it was she didn't check any of the boxes for pageant girl. She didn't. Are you kidding me? She did it all her own way. That's nuts to me. But that is that feels like she said she would take. I mean, I know she doesn't do that now. Well, no, but even then, like, even then I remember, I remember watching her. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I remember watching her and it was always so exciting because you knew that she was going to fit the parameters of the gown is full length and if it needs a sleeve, it's not going to It would be fine, but it would always be just a little quirky. And I feel like Alyssa's always had that little bit of edge because of her character. Yes. Even before she yes. knew exactly who the Alyssa character was, yeah. there was still something that was interesting and different. Alyssa, like, this goes back to when she came a few weeks ago. Um, like I said, I wouldn't say, I don't like the word, like you said, I don't like the word diva, but uh, she knows what she wants. But she's mm-hmm. been doing this for so long. But I think when she first started this, I don't think she knew that Alyssa was going to be Alyssa. Yeah. You know, that has a Netflix show and has, you know, all this shit going she on. She didn't know her own strength. But she did her own thing. Yeah. And look at her. That's the key to everything in life. Iconic. The key to life is authenticity. And when you find out what I mean, Shangela's bitch ass had to go on the show multiple times and that bitch was on A Star Is Born. I almost fucking lost my shit, sis. <laughs> I said, I want to get my titties signed by Bradley Cooper. <laughs> well, just mail it to Fuck him. Fuck Willem. He'll send it back. Willem's going to be here in December. I'm so excited. That's good. I do poppers with her. <laughs> kidding. I don't do poppers. It makes me have a headache. Oh, yeah, just a headache. I don't do it when I'm getting fisted, sis. <laughs> fisted sister. Fister sister. Twisted fister. Twisted fister. Is that is that going to be our new band? Is it? Yeah. It's all musical theater covers <laughs> done in a very inappropriate way. First musical, Cats. Scats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, God. All right, all right. So we're gonna jump right back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull. This I'm sorry, I'm right very ADHD. Right. I am too. I'm like a ball of marbles. A ball of marbles. A ball of marbles. It's a ball of balls, girl. That's a lot of balls, girl. Oh my goodness. Well, so now you are show director, yeah. and you are the first show director that I've actually interviewed for this podcast, which is very interesting because you are kind of like the pinnacle of local queens. You are the head of the local queen. Like you get to to watch all of these other local queens come through and figure out who fits and vibes with what you do. Yeah. So first of all, what is that responsibility like? Well, like I was saying earlier, um, the previous show director, it was more of like you earn your spot Mm -hmm. at the bar. Uh, So you need to have a pageant title or do this and that. Um, It feels insane because like I said, just... Two years ago, I was nobody. Like, I mean, people knew who I was, but I wasn't getting booked. And um, it's nuts. It's, I've worked with so many RuPaul girls and Dragula girls, and um, I book every show, and I book a lot of new girls, and it's always like a trial kind of thing. I, I want to see what people can do. I want to see how they respond to working with a professional, somebody who travels and does this as a living. And, um, uh, 
I mean, especially for me, like getting to meet all these girls and be a part of that is, is really intense. But to be in this position, um, I mean, when I first started this, like people were really not nice to me. Uh, like people that never gave me the time of day before all of a sudden had this opinion about me. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not getting booked because of this or she doesn't like you because of that. And, you know, me as somebody who's not really like a, I, I don't have a pageant title. I don't, you know, have all the, all of these accolades or these things that people would expect for somebody. Uh, I wasn't really self-conscious about booking these shows because I didn't know if I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And people would say a lot of really nasty, mean things to me. Um, I have learned that when people talk shit, it's because you're doing something right. I learned that very recently. Yeah, it's a a hard lesson to learn because season seven, you know, right towards the end of it, things took a turn for me and people just, I was very polarizing. People either loved me or they hated me. And it felt like, you know, nobody's going to go on Yelp and be like, this was a great meal and I had a wonderful experience. They're going to go go on the internet and be like, this is what's wrong and this is why I hate it and this is how it made me feel and this is why I'll never go back to it. And for a very long time, I let every single one of those comments define me and how I felt about myself. And then when I actually got out on the road and I started meeting the people. The Toad Road. The the Toad Road. The Toad Road. Tobler Road. Um, When I got out there and I started meeting these people who had a very different opinion than that, and I started absorbing that and their energy, I realized, oh, wow what I'm doing is exactly what I should be doing. It's reaching the people that it needs to reach. And I'm actually doing it in the right way. I think that's one of the best things that I've learned um, being a show director is this has actually taught me probably more than I've ever learned in my drag career because I've gotten to work with so many insanely talented people. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you've heard of Blackberry. (gasps) Blackberry, she's hosting the show tonight, right? Blackberry. Yes, she hosts. Um, the Sunday Brunch too, and she hosts almost every fucking show in Houston. <laughs> She's the best. Um, but I started drag with her. You know, I was literally there for her first time ever in drag. Mm-hmm. She was in the same competition, and she's just grown into this superstar. And um, she just owns. It. When she started drag in Houston, having a beard and doing drag was not the tea. Yeah, like she got so much shit for it. They were like, well, this isn't drag. Well, you're not, you know, this is, you're not femme. Like this, you, she just got so yeah read down for having a beard and being a big black drag queen, just unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And now she runs this fucking city. It's crazy to see that flip. Like she knows who she is. She's so intensely mm-hmm. talented. And um, there's a lot of crazy talented bitches in Houston. And it's really like humbling to be in the position that I am is because I'm very lucky to be at the bar where, you know, we have mm-hmm. all the drag race girls and we mm-hmm. have a lot of talent coming through. And I mean, most of the time I kind of feel like I'm not doing enough because I meet so many people that are just now it's crazy. It's nuts. I will say I have, I've been a show director um, in Orlando, and it is, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility yeah. because the, what you need to do as a show director is make something that is, you have to create an experience that has peaks and valleys, you know? Yes. You have to give something for everybody, and not a lot of people are able to do that because I think, you know, we kind of sit back sometimes and we go, this is the drag that I do. This is what I enjoy. And it's enough. And, and it's enough. And then you surround yourself with people who do what you do. Yes, people. But yes, then, men. well, yeah. But so even like men. with the entertainers, it's it be like the first couple shows I booked, it was a bunch of ginger ninjas. It was people <laughs> who did what I did. And that was a double-edged sword because it was like, A, I don't get to stand out for what I do. A horde of toads. A horde of toads. And B, it I, like nobody cared after a while it was like okay i'm bored this is the same thing over and over well that's what i was going back to like you know before i started working where i am right now um it was like a lot of the same it was just the same five girls doing the same five shows Mm -hmm. uh, all the time and i think that's limiting and i think that having a variety having new girls 
having different kind of girls in the shows makes things exciting. People mm-hmm. appreciate that. You get a different audience every single time. You're not going to get the same five people that you get every weekend. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's really a blessing that yeah. this happened to me because I have become so much more understanding. Like you said, you were mm-hmm. only booking other ginger minges. Um, that was the antithesis of what I tried to do when I started doing this. It was like when I started, when they said, you are the show director now, I took it upon myself to be like, I'm going to book the underdogs. I'm going to book well, these new girls. I'm going to book these people that yeah. don't, you know. And that's why I ended up booking a whole show of Ginger Minges because in Orlando, this was not the type of drag that everybody um, would book. You know what I What's mean? that like, type of drag? Broadway, um, plus size, really? campy. No, at, crazy to me. At that time, it was very much about looks. It was you have to be pageanty, gorgeous. But I, even beyond pageanty, it was just stunning, and it was like almost like a heightened stripper burlesque kind of drag, where you like know, Paramore. Yeah, I mean, it was just, well, we were near Paramore Street. Like, you just, you just get naked and pour water on yourself. And, 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 and it pop was, your pussy on a trolley and you're ready to go. It was beautiful, but there it wasn't a place for me. and yeah. Unless I was the, yeah. the show host. But there was already a show host. So I had to create my own space. And then I was like, okay, well, now that I'm here and this is successful, let me give other people that feel like me the opportunity. Yeah. But then okay. I realized... See, now that sounds... Yeah, so much better. But I think you understand. Like, I think that's what you were saying, too. It's like, I was trying to give people who I felt like needed their voice heard a a space, a platform. Um, But then I realized you've got to find, like, a a, a balance. A harmony. harmony. Yes, absolutely. I love words. So what do you look for as a show director? Um, I said this the other day on Facebook because I love being dramatic. And I love being (laughs) messy. Um. I don't, I mean, yes, I do care what you look like, but I think the biggest thing, I'm sorry, I'm stepping on her Gucci slides. Oh, that's all right. Uh, I think the biggest thing I look for is I don't care if you have money and you can buy the most expensive wigs and costumes and your beautiful face, Mm -hmm. great costumes, brand new wigs, no energy on stage. You don't know your words. So what I look for is panache. I look for that energy. I look for people that know their words. I'm sorry, but that's your first job as a drag queen. Mm-hmm. You can wear a burlap sack with sharpie eyebrows. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> give me some energy. Give me some like love. Give me some something. Yeah, you know that's the most important thing. I think is caring about what you do. It's like you can look gorgeous. You can have a million Instagram followers, uh, but what are you doing on stage? Yeah, like what are you doing for the people that come to the show that have paid to come in or that you know are having a fucking bad week and they just need something and they come to your show. Like it's really touching to do these things that seem so trivial to us. Like we do a Sunday brunch every Sunday and we think it's just whatever, but sometimes we have people come up to us crying, like Mm -hmm. saying, Oh my God, like this is my mom's first show. And she was just, you know, she wasn't okay with me being gay. And she just, she loved it so much. She had so much fun. And you touch so many people. So I think the biggest thing as an entertainer, and that's why I look for this in people, is that you love what you're doing and you and you care about what you're doing. And so you can look great and you can have the costumes and the hair and the face. But if you get on stage and you just yeah. don't. It's just. I get it's it. It's the energy. I, it's the yeah. love for the, the what passion. you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, baby, if you, you're doing drag, you're not doing it because you want to make money. No. This is not a money-making career. <laughs> and, and people, they they think that even, like, on the, the drag race side of it, they think, oh, you've been on TV. You're a millionaire. People were literally yeah. saying this to me on social media after, like, they didn't agree with one of my looks or whatever on All-Star 6. When they started going, agree. she has... She I has don't agree with your looks. Millions look. of dollars. She did Dumplin' with Jennifer Aniston. She should know that. She should pay people. First of all, the pandemic affected me just as much as it did everybody else. Yeah. 
And in the height of a pandemic, trying to film something like Drag Race, trying to get everything together in two and a half, three weeks to go, when all of the wigs come from China, but they're That's shut down. That's fucking insane. Although fabric comes from China and it's shut down. You know, can't get anything. You can't get anything. Not even Amazon. You've run out of <laughs> money and you're trying to create things. Like you're trying to make something out of nothing. And that's really what drag at its core. That's the spirit. I mean, of but it. sometimes that forces you to be to be creative. Yes. Like my pop art look that um Rue and the judges just went like nuts over. It was literally it was um muslin, like the cheapest muslin you could get with iron-on transfers and puffy. And, it, and they it, fucking loved and it. And they loved that. And that was and really... you didn't think that was going to be shit, did you? No. that was. <laughs> there was a couple of looks where That's I was like... That's awesome. I we, love that. My finale gown that everybody just loved and adored, it was pieced together. Not adore. <laughs> it was <laughs> lunch and adore. She was on my last podcast. She was last week. That's my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but she... Uh, uh, my best friend, Gidget, who was helping me make all those yeah. things, we pieced it together from 70 yards of scraps. Of seven, seven zero seven zero mm-hmm. and it was and it was <laughs> how just, did you figure that out <laughs> we just started cutting shit and sewing it together Girl. and that's how it ended yeah Ooh, but it drag it on any level be it local newcomer pageant brew girl any of that it is not um, a money-making career. Oh, absolutely. You have to invest <laughs> almost everything that you make, you invest right back into it. Oh, bitch. Sometimes I decide between buying a new wig or buying furniture for my house. Like this one? That wig is gorgeous. You like this one? I like it. My little wig? I would say it's snatched back, but it's a snapback. It's a daddy issue. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, no, it's crazy. Uh, people always think, like, people that just come to our shows and stuff, they think that, we're just making all this money uh-huh. because that every little dollar they give us is just going straight to my bank account. It's like, baby, <laughs> this outfit that I'm wearing, every single dollar matters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult. Especially it if you don't have two jobs, you know, like mm-hmm. right now, this is my only job. I used to do leasing, but most of the girls that I work with have two jobs because that money that we're making in drag, baby, that gets sucked right back into it. And there's right no, back into it. there's no union, there's no pension, bitch. there's no retirement fund. <laughs> if there was a drag union, bitch. Well, I just it love, would not be okay. My mom one day, <laughs> my mom one day was like, "So do you have a retirement fund?" And I opened up the garage, and it's just all of like my drag race costumes. This is my four hundred one k. Like this is my retirement fund because in twenty five, thirty years or whatever, when drag is like making its comeback, you know what I mean? Because like. It'll be like it'll uh, be in waves. It'll be in waves because yeah. the pendulum. It just right now is the teeth. It's all the way over. Everybody here. wants to be a drag queen right now. But I was like, eventually it'll be nostalgia, and I'll be able to sell all this shit and buy a condo and hopefully, 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 hopefully. <laughs> unless it's water. That's damage. hopeful thinking, Sid. Yeah, but but seriously, like that, it, there is. I mean, we like to think that the money that we spend and the work that we put in is we're investing in the future, and you know, it's going to matter to somebody someday. Yeah. Yeah, seeing and mattering to people. I would like to ask you four questions, and I ask these four questions to everybody on this podcast. Okay, okay. I'm ready. One, what is your definition of a local queen? <laughs> uh, right off the cuff, I want to say something that's not on TV, but um, I don't know. It's just, I would say somebody that's you know a not. I don't want to say a pillar of the community because you don't have to be a pillar to be a local queen. A you pillow know, of the community. A pillow of the community, baby. <laughs> well, if that's the only requirement, then we got a lot of those. Uh, no, um, I would just say somebody that's a part of the community that um, puts an effort to be a part of shows and that gets booked regularly. <laughs> regularly. Uh, and that's not on TV. <laughs> that's the only thing. Is we have so many hard hitters in Texas that, you know, here, being a local queen is just, you know, being somebody that's not... Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what else there's to say. no That's wrong literally answers the first thing that comes to my mind yeah i, I don't know what else to say there are one. no wrong answers i just like getting everybody's opinion okay on that. am i the first person to say that um yeah really yeah i mean what do other people say i want to know too. well you'll have to go back and listen to our other episodes oh. and so um, will you you're gonna have to go back and listen <laughs> london adore um 
she was kind of saying the same thing, but elaborated in the sense that they are people who they put in the work within the community. In order to get respect, you have to give respect. And if you respect the community that you're working for, they will in turn support. Absolutely. Um, and so I think, I mean, you're kind of saying the same thing. And I think that that's so true. And it's so important. I always say, you know, when I'm in Orlando, I'm still a local queen. I'm still showing up for, and they're so sick of hearing this, $50 on the cheeseburger at <laughs> Hamburger Mary's. But it's because that community supported me before anybody else Absolutely. in the world knew I existed. Yeah. And, and they still do. And they still do. And I continue to support them as much as I can. And I think that that's really, like, at the gist of it, that's what a local queen is. It's somebody who the community can rely on and they can, in turn, rely on the community. Yes. Um, my next question, what is your worst performance ever? Most oh, embarrassing, God. anything like that. So I was doing uh, this little competition at uh, this old bar, Riches. It was like a drag race type competition. And um, I think the theme was like sweets or like candy or something like that. And I chose honey. Um, oh. Very you know, sticky. Very sticky. Oh. Candy man. <laughs> uh, so I literally did like I tried to do a whole Candyman thing. You said it twice. Don't say it three more times, girl. We're facing Baby, a mirror. I'm not the one. I will not say that again. <laughs> I'm not the Bloody Mary type. Yeah. I I don't want no cuckooies. <laughs> I don't want no. Uh. Uh-uh, I don't do that. But um, girl, I had this raggedy ass wig on, and it was just. I I made this whole dress, and my grandma actually makes all my costumes. Oh. <gasps> I love that. I'm like Gigi Good, but with my grandma instead of my mom. Drag is a family sport. <laughs> it is. Uh, but uh, we spent all week making this dress, and we glued, like, honeycombs, like the cereal, onto the dress. I the entire dress was made of honeycombs. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a hit. I focused so much on those honeycombs. I didn't focus on anything else, and I just looked a hot fucking mess. <laughs> and uh, it was in front of a lot of people during a competition where I was being judged and I've never felt so insecure and unprepared. I, I think sometimes, you know, being unprepared and going on stage can be a blessing because you get that adrenaline and you, you pull random shit out of your ass. Yeah. And sometimes it, literally. It just happens. <laughs> I'm not sure a needle says, no, <laughs> I don't post stuff out of my body. <laughs> No, but um, I think it was Lahoma back in the day. You still literally put uh, lit Christmas lights, like a whole street. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it was like back at the limelight in the Not 90s. the limelight, uh-huh. bitch. Not Michael Ailey. Yeah, we don't talk about him. Not the club kids, see. The club kids. Not the club kids, sheesh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really embarrassing. And um, it was not the tea. I did not like that at all. It's very embarrassing. Well, on the flip side of that, what is like the best performance you've ever given? The one you're most proud of? Ooh. Okay. I don't really connect with that one because like I'm, I'm so defeatist. Like I'm one of those people that I feel like I can always do better and I could always be better. Um, yeah. But there has to be one moment where like that number ended and you felt and like felt a fucking superstar. Powerful. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is during the same competition, different season, though. I did three seasons of this competition. Hey, I also did three seasons of a competition. And look at you now. I know. (laughs) Um, I had given up. It was, like, the finals. And um, I was dead set that this one person was rigged to win. Uh, I had defeated myself. I was like, there's no way I'm winning this. Um, And it was happened to be during Halloween. And uh, I did this number that was about like mental illness and the, you know, it, it was a bank song, you know, something really off, you know, it, it's not something yeah. people knew. It was just yeah. something, it was a shot in the dark. You know, it wasn't something that I thought was going to get Something you going. did for you, not for I did them. it for me. Mm-hmm. And it was a song nobody knew. It was an FK Twig song. And I had given up to the point where I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And I went so hard and I poured myself out onto the stage. And to this day, it's one of the numbers that people come to me and will say, that's how I know you was because of that number. Mm -hmm. And I discovered FK Twigs because you did that. Like, 
I still watch the video because it's on YouTube. Um, and I just like, it's, I can just feel like the, just, I don't give a fuck energy coming off of me. And I didn't think it was going to matter to anybody or to mean anything. And I ended up winning the entire season. And uh, just because in my head I had given up and I just let go and I just was myself. And I think that's the biggest. Well, it's like what we were talking about earlier. It's whenever you try, when you try to be what you think people want, it's never right. People can smell a phony like a hundred miles away. But when you just let go and let loose and do you, people find a a piece of themselves to connect with. When you do stuff like that, you think to yourself, this is off. People aren't going to like this. Like, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And then you do it and people just love it. Because it makes you. We feel alone whenever we think those things. Whenever we're like, nobody's going to get this. I'm the only one in the world that's ever going to like connect with this and feel this way and see life from this angle. And then we do it and we realize, oh no, this is a shared human experience. Exactly. There are other people who fucking feel like this and need this. Yeah. That's why I do what I do. That's why I continue. I think that's very important. Um, Like I said, you asked me when, you know, had I auditioned for Drag Race. Like that first audition, it was so painful to watch because I was not myself. I was really trying to like be mm. somebody that I'm not, and um, it really shows. And I'm not that person today. But I think that was a really big, like a, a pivotal moment in my career because yeah. it, it to this day, like I said, teaches me like I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like Alyssa came, and I did two French songs by Emily Simon that nobody fucking knows, but people live for it. Yeah. And I had people come up to me after and say, I love that you, during one of the biggest, because obviously people showed up for Alyssa, during one of the biggest shows you guys have ever had that you do this random, like out of nowhere shit and you're confident with it. And it means a lot to me because that's who I am as an entertainer. Like I have these life experiences and I like the music that I like and I have these visions of what I want on stage and I don't care if other people know the song I'm doing or know like the vision I have mm-hmm. as long as I can translate that and people somebody out there understands I've done my job exactly yes. now the final question to take us home is what would your advice be to somebody who was looking to start drag become a local queen Dumb. and get involved in the scene just- <laughs> every single girl so has many motherfucking that. drag queens every girl has said that <laughs> yes. no well, I don't want to be that girl. No. Um, you know, I've actually worked with a lot of girls that have been doing drag less than a year that are so insanely talented. And I would say the most important thing is to be humble, to be appreciative of the per- people that you're working with. Um, I think being humble is the biggest thing because mm-hmm. having a good attitude is the best thing you can wear. Is a, is a good attitude, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but that's literally kind of stops there for me because, you know, you can be busted, you can be, you know, alternative or, you know, not wear boobs or not have hip pads or this and that. A good attitude goes such a long way. Like, mm-hmm. I will remember that so much longer than I'm going to remember, oh, she didn't wear boobs. Oh, she didn't have hip pads. Oh, her lace wasn't glued down right. That's not what I think about. I think about, she was so fun to work with. Mm-hmm. She was a pleasure to work with. Well, at the end of the day, people in general, they're going to remember not what you said or what you wore, but how you made them how feel. You mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. no, it, it goes a lot further than you would think. First impressions mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a drag queen, I would definitely recommend if you're starting out, uh, just be humble, be thankful. Uh, like I said, this is not a money-making career. This is not something you do to make dollars. If you're in it for that, you're delusional. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to figure that out real quick. Um, I think the biggest thing you can do as a new queen or somebody that's just starting this, just be humble, be thankful, be grateful to the people that employ you because there are so many girls out there that would... There's so many people that see us on stage and they say, wow, I could never do that. I could never... You know, I don't have the confidence. I, I'm not beautiful. I'm not this and that. We're not those people underneath all the makeup and stuff. We, I think, a, a lot of drag queens start doing drag because they're insecure. 
Yeah. Uh, it's something that helps them feel better. It's for me, especially when I started drag, it's something that, you know, my life was not very pleasant at the time. And Andy was beautiful and glamorous and could do whatever she wanted. And I was always very grateful and very thankful to be in the positions that I am. And so when these new girls come in, they're just kind of like have a little stink face and a little attitude. I'm like, girl, it wasn't like this. Like, <laughs> you need to just count your blessings. Sis. Mm-hmm. So a good attitude. A good attitude. That's what you need to wear, sis. Absolutely. Nothing else. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast and talking thank with you for me today. Me. I'm very, I'm very appreciative that you have me on. Oh, see, look, you're following I, your own advice. I love to talk. Appreciative. I want you to tell our listeners where they can find you. You can find me every fucking week. <laughs> you can find me every week at Rebar. Um, I do a burlesque show at Rebar on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's real women with real titties. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do all kinds of stuff on Saturdays. We have boys, we have girls, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on Sunday, we do our Sunday service every Sunday, uh, hosted by Blackberry. Um, I'm there every single week. You can also catch us on Thursdays at Rebar again. Because mm-hmm. that's where I work. I'm saying thing of the <laughs> uh, For Black Race Competition Drag It On. It's like a drag drag race style competition. I love that name, Drag It On. Drag It On. Oh, it's already it's been like dragged. Drag it on, but it's drugged. <laughs> it's already been drugged. <laughs> and then on social media? Right? And then on social media, uh, I'm Andy, the number four, real. I'm Andy for real. R-E-A-L? R-E-A-L. O-N-D-I, the number four. Across. R-E-A-L. All social media platforms? What? TikTok and Instagram, yeah. TikTok and Instagram. TikTok and Instagram. If you want to follow me um, on Xbox, if you play Fortnite, (laughs) or anything else, I'm Lobster Mac. (laughs) Oh, that's my thing. I'm Lobster Mac. Oh, I'm allergic. But I'm also Ginger Minge, and you can find me across all <laughs> social media platforms. Just go to gingermingeonline.com for all of those links. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, babe. And remember, all of you out there, you too can be not only a local queen, but a hometown shero. We love you so much, and we'll see you next time. Make sure you like, subscribe, um, share, share, uh, send it to your friends, your enemies, whatever. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.